Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese, your host as always. Joining me today are a couple regulars, uh, and like I always like to call my special guests, we've got first Josh Torres. There's a switch to the left of me. It's looking at me and wants, wants me to play more Zelda. Well, we'll talk Just about that. Just play it while you podcast. Bit. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, you're right. I like to keep your full attention during this podcast because we have a lot to talk about. But next, we've also got the voice that you just heard was Adam Vitali. I just want to chuck more bombs. That's all I want to do. You know, it's an eternal monologue here, buddy. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> and then finally, we've got a new staff member amongst us. The very kind Natalie Flores is joining us today. Hi. Welcome to the den. Welcome to the den. <laughs> It's great to have you. Of course, uh, your first big article for the site uh, was a review for Horizon Zero Dawn that I think a lot of people seem to really like reading it. I, I heard some really good things about the review itself, even from our social media for, uh, followers. So uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your experience with Horizon Zero Dawn since you're here? Um. Well, my experience, um, like if you read the review, uh, it's I have pretty much glowing praise for the game. Um, yeah. In the time since uh, the reviews have come out, I've read a variety of reviews. I've kind of looked at, you know, people who had a lot of different opinions. Some people um, received it really positively and they really loved it just as much as I did. Um, some people had more criticisms of the game. Um, and I feel like I learned a lot from reading such a wide range of reviews. And I think ultimately I... I feel like I love the game every time that I go back to it. That's awesome. Um, were you kind of surprised to see that? Because um, our review went up pretty much when the embargo dropped. Uh, were you kind of taken aback by how the how overwhelmingly positive the general consensus seemed to be about this game? Um, I was not, actually. Um, okay. I felt like it would be really well-received. Um, if I'm going to be perfectly honest... Um, when I went into the game, uh, I was kind of cautious because yeah. usually I've, when I've played an open world game, I either get like this really good open world, but a not so great story, or I get a really good story, but a world that feels kind of empty, even though it looks, mm. you know, really vibrant. Yeah. Um, but Horizon Zero Dawn actually had both of those. I was really pleasantly surprised by how deep the story is, how rich the lore is, and how alive the world feels. So I, when I finished it, I was like, people are going to love this game because it's it's so good. It, it's so balanced in how rich both the story and its world um, is. And so I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad everybody else. Yeah, that's the games. Yeah, like they actually it. got to like spread their wings outside of the kill zone and seeing what kind of you know, creative vision they have outside of that and just seeing them completely knock out, knock it out of the park is pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, exactly. before this game was coming out, you know, it's a, a new genre and a new type of game and a new IP from a studio that's well, known for shooters. Genre, yeah. <laughs> well, not genre, but, I mean, it's a new genre for the developer. Like, they, they sure, did yeah, shooters. Mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. they have, they, I don't think Guerrilla Games has any experience before this, doing like this open world RPG action type stuff. Nope, just kill zone. So, yeah, yeah. So people, I know I was. Natalie said she was. I know a lot of people were just kind of hesitant. Like, is this game gonna be any good? And I remember that Natalie just said a couple of things uh, in our in our uh, little uh, chat room before the review how she was really liking the game. And that was kind of like honestly the first actual impression I saw of the game was like, wow, I guess. Well, Natalie likes it. Let's see how else how it's going to turn out. And then it turns out it's 
apparently a pretty darn good uh, game from Gorilla here. So. I think I'm almost, yeah. I, I'm really pleasantly surprised that, you know, not just this game was like kind of the poster child for the PlayStation 4 Pro, but just hearing that the base PS4 runs quite smoothly as well is like kind of, you know, kind of made me really surprised because I thought this would be uh, filled with like, you know, technical problems on the base PS4 to kind of sell you more on the Pro version of it. So that was kind of my biggest fear when it was releasing. But just, you know, I watched the Digital Foundry stuff and just talking with other people. And they said, no, this runs completely smooth. Like, it, even just the way that they allow you to customize the HUD uh, to your liking, you know, just that, uh, like, little detail and versatility of how you want to view the game and extensive photo mode and whatnot. It, it, all these little elements really add up. Uh, that's that's my perception of it. Yeah, I I, I hear it's basically a technical like marvel. Of course, on PlayStation 4 Pro, but also on base PS4 is just is a very yeah, good absolutely. running, very good looking um, game. Yeah, when I first opened the game, um, my jaw just dropped on its own, um, and I considered The Witcher 3 to be the most beautiful game, like in terms of visuals, yeah, the most beautiful yeah. game that I've ever played. <laughs> but I honestly feel like Horizon. Um, is even more beautiful and you can definitely um, see there's uh, kind of room to compare The Witcher and Horizon like I feel like The Witcher 3 has definitely made an impact on how open world games are starting to get built like we know that with Andromeda they're starting to model their side quests more like The Witcher in terms of you know there's no really excuse anymore for having side content that you know doesn't have you know an engaging storyline for each quest that's just fetching and and all that stuff that was a common complaint for dragon age inquisition so i feel like um games like andromeda and horizon really are taking after the witcher 3 in that regard um and i mentioned the witcher 3 again because um you know i just i think horizon is even more beautiful visually and i was really surprised again by the story um the witcher 3 story is really amazing but it had two previous games that kind of built that foundation you know that established these characters that we've come to know and love in the witcher 3 it also 3. has a series yeah. of books that i don't want yep, like directly related but that kind of that world has already been there this is yeah brand definitely new. and those sound books are tremendous i read all of them in oh, really? like a month yes. right after i finished the I, witcher 3 I got, well far away <laughs> into the first book I, I i really want to go back and watch the rest of that but the other comparison you can make is that the problem with the witcher 3 is that as amazing as that game was and still is. Uh, there are also technical problems with it. Like if you go down to that swamp area that mm. uh, on the PlayStation 4, there were some significant frame rate issues with the game. I don't assume, based on the review, it didn't sound like Horizon actually ran into those types of problems, did it? Oh, absolutely not. Like I never experienced any frame rate issues. It, I feel like I, I didn't miss out by not having the PS4 Pro. Um, I feel like it looked just as beautiful on the PS4, and it's it's really a technical achievement. That's what Horizon is. And even though I've played, you know, probably 50 hours now, I look at screenshots from people on Twitter, and I'm still amazed by how beautiful the game yes. looks and how you can manipulate shots using photo mode, which is absolutely brilliant to include. Um, and it's so detailed and full of depth. And, yeah, I just I think it's really gorgeous. Did you ever uh, play the Killzone games at all? I did not, and I heard that this was a new dive into the genre for um, Guerrilla Games, and 
I had kind of, you know, high expectations because I had heard of the Killzone series. Um, I know people who have played it, but I never indulged in it myself. So I was really um, going into this with kind of a fresh um, take on the developers. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I'm a pretty big fan of the Killzone series. I know there's definitely detractors about it. Um, I really enjoyed Shadowfall, but it was that was mostly because of the visuals. It had a very big like a blade runner type of inspiration with the gigantic city back like the the cityscape and and the and the lots of neon and all this kind of stuff so yeah when you when they were leaking out concept art and stuff like that about these robotic dinosaurs everyone of course or that had their full attention for quite a while and then it just kind of went to the darkness again and then it came back to announce of course horizon zero dawn from a few months ago uh, from a few years ago and yeah, I mean, speaking for myself, it's that in December at PlayStation Experience, they had a demo for Horizon Zero Dawn. And yes, the big problem that it felt like from that demo, not only was everything kind of cordoned off, like cord, uh, like they, they only let you go around a specific area in the game during this demo, this relatively short, like 20, 30 minute demo. Uh, but there was very little to do. And I think, as you said, like you came into this cautious. I think everyone was cautious because of the lack of content that it felt like it had, lack of side content. But as you said, Witcher 3 is sort of the benchmark, and it really does feel like they took out a lot of the um, inspiration, a lot of the elements from that series and were made the better of it. So it'll be interesting to see how they go from there, Gorilla Games, because now you've got them, and then you've got... CD Projekt with Cyberpunk 2077 coming out, so we'll see how things go, I guess. I think the, the coolest thing uh, that strikes me about uh, Horizon is that to me, Guerrilla Games has always had a very strong mechanical designers, like the the costumes for the Hellgas, their general designs, all the different classes uh, on the Hellgas set. I was always a, that was the thing that I loved about Killzone. I played the first, the second, a little bit of the third. I never got my hands on Shadowfall, but just seeing that translate into robotic dinosaurs uh, contrasting with their relatively, you know, native, uh, you know, environment that they're set in it's and like, how, they, how like, they interact, how they interact with like, you know, these like kind of basic like bow and arrow technologies. It's like that's that's insane. But to make it to make it look so natural is difficult. But you go, you they go pulled from, like, it off. Yeah, you go from like General the Wolf Brigade to to this pretty much. Yeah. And actually, I wanted to bring up Natalie that he talks a lot about the main character Alloy and how uh, how uh, strong a character she is. And obviously, you know, some people can take that different ways, but um, I, I found that particularly fascinating because I I'm with a lot of other people on that. There's definitely a lack of representation and strong female characters in video games. And some of my favorite characters tend to be the ones that are empowered women, because I find that I find that fascinating. Just because I I'm sick and tired, like so many people are, about the main character and then the damsel in distress. And I think that mm-hmm. we'll get to a little bit about another game that I'm curious about with Josh in a little bit. But Natalie, you mentioned about this character, and I want to hear more about your thoughts about her. Do you think like you mentioned the voice acting? I think that was some a bit of a concern with that. Um, that I also heard that. Uh, Horizon is a very talky game so did that ever like when you have like a main character like her when she's talking quite a bit especially out in the field did that ever get on your nerves at all or did you think that she always had something meaningful to say 
Oh, it absolutely didn't get on my nerves. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of Ashley Birch, um, uh, Alloy's voice actress. Yes. Uh, but putting my bias aside, the the voice work is pretty phenomenal. I I know there were some concerns over a scene that had been released, um, I believe, like a couple of weeks before the game came out, mostly because of the facial animation, yeah. which did get a bit stiff um, at times. But I feel like the voice acting. Um, was so good and the writing was so good. It had such good quality that I kind of learned to just kind of look past that. Um, the voice acting overall, save for like a few minor um, non-playable characters, was overall really um, phenomenal. It was really great uh, voice work. And on Alloy herself, I I grew to love her very quickly. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so I grew to love her very quickly. Um, I think there's definitely um, something that stood out to me a couple of weeks before the game came out, in which the developers talked about how, uh, you know, there's not much merit in just calling a female character strong. Um, yes. What we don't want is strong female characters that, uh, you know, are invincible and that don't show weakness and that, you know, are really good on the battlefield and that's all that there is to them. You know, we want well-written female characters we want female characters that show strength that show vulnerability that you know are scared that have moments of empowerment and i think that alloy uh really kind of explores all of those emotions all those facets to being a woman and i definitely something that i didn't point out in my review is that i really like the focus on motherhood in this game Oh. Um, ultimately, you know, there is a father figure that is very important to Aloy and her story. But ultimately, it is the story of Aloy trying to find her mother, trying to find, you know, who she originates from, what happened to her mother, because she's essentially an outcast. Um, she is shunned uh, in a matriarchal tribe just because she doesn't have a mother. So it's really refreshing to see this game that... Uh, not only has a well-written female protagonist, but that actually focuses on motherhood. You have games like, again, The Witcher 3, you have Tomb Raider, The Last of Us. Uh, you have all these uh, great games, um, and they all kind of focus on fatherhood. Fun the Final Fantasy series as a whole, it definitely has a more... Uh, father figurehood kind of focus in comparison to the motherhood role. A lot of mothers in Final Fantasy, I feel, are very absent um, from the stories. Oh, so it's Final very Fantasy refreshing. Seven. I mean, she was there for like a yeah. brief, brief moment for sure. Yeah, like you have. Um, I mean, it's, like it's not. It's not. It's not very good when when i'm thinking of motherhood and final fantasy the first thing that comes to mind is the joke of final fantasy 13 moms are tough yes oh, thank yeah. you yeah, I, I was hoping someone that's mentioned that, I was. That, that's not a good sign if that's the I very know. first thing that comes to my mind it is so this little yeah, scene that's been played as a joke and you know stories of fatherhood are super important and they they're super moving just like the last of us and the witcher 3 are clearly you know prime examples but it's definitely refreshing and uh, you know it's it's kind of emotionally heartwarming to finally see this big triple uh, A game with a female protagonist that actually focuses on the bond between her and her mother. And I think that's Pretty beautiful sweet. and very unique. And I, I hope that more games are able to follow and kind of humanize mothers and motherhood in a deeper way like Horizon Zero Dawn does. Absolutely. I think that some of my favorite stories in media in general are not 
characters that you know show no weaknesses and are generally badasses. It's definitely ones that are majorly flawed. They they're terrible people from the start sometimes, and they kind of grow as you know more bad shit happens to them, or as they witness more tragedies, or you know just they're they're you know flawed for a reason going in, and you start uncovering you know what made this. Uh, what happened to them in the first place for them to act the way they do. Um, just, I like seeing characters that, you know, sometimes are not on the right side morally. Sometimes, you know, they've, they've undergone some sort of like trauma, for example, and just seeing them grow to be better people or better, relatively better than how they started. Uh, I think some of those kinds of stories are some of my favorite in media just in any kind movies video games books yeah, speaking speaking yeah, generally sometimes i feel that like people are looking for characters who are like ideal like they always make the right decision they always you know are thinking in the most logical perfect manner they're always you know they're never scared they're always you know brave and it just uh, sometimes i feel like that's just not realistic and it's not it's not even it it's not interesting if all the characters are just perfect. So, and sometimes I see like when a character like makes a mistake, like they they don't make the right choice or they they have a moment of weakness that people are like, God, this character is so such an idiot. And it's just like, give them give them time to like grow and see what the story has in store. Mm-hmm. For it. I, I'm yeah, speaking generally. I don't have anything on mind when I talk about this, but it's just one of the things I do appreciate. Just like what Josh was saying is, when a character feels believable, that's more important than if they're like then they're they're perfect they're ideal absolutely i think um particularly with female characters a lot of people kind of look at one side uh, on you know the fact that for a long time we've had female characters that have been reduced to the role of damsel in distress that they don't contribute Uh to the story that they're in the background that they you know get killed off for reasons to develop the the main male character and then they sort of look at that and they assume that the solution to the problem is to create an equally unrealistic female character one that has no weaknesses that doesn't make any mistakes that never fails and never has a moment of vulnerability or fear and i feel like both are as equally unrealistic as each other and they're not the actual solution to the problem because they're both not creating people. They're not creating human beings. They're not creating women who are believable people. So I think a character like Aloy that, you know, has weaknesses, has strengths, you know, has moments where she fails, has moments where she wins, and actually really develops throughout the course of the game. I think that is what we should strive for to see in female characters. Yeah, not, for sure. not have a female protagonist mm-hmm. just for the sake of having one. You know, actually put some actual work into it, not make them cardboard cutouts for the sake of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not just like, oh man, we need to have a female protagonist. Let's let's have the the originally planned male protagonist just have you know just. Swap make her, out. yeah, just swap out and <laughs> just keep everything the same. It's like, no, nah, it's not really how it should be. Yeah, but at the same time, it's uh, it's it's a very welcome change to see something like that. Is there anything else that you've been playing lately, though, Nelly, or do you plan on playing sometime soon? I know you've got Mass Effect on the mind, but is there anything else? Yeah, every day, <laughs> every day, it's Mass <laughs> Effect us, on yes. the mind. Um, I guess, uh, as always, a lot of Overwatch. I'm yes. I'm ridiculously addicted to that game. They're getting oh, a hero soon. Like, yeah. So. What's Square your name again? What's the new character's name? Oh, um, Orisa. 
Orissa, yeah, yeah Orissa. Yeah. That's a that's a weird name to say out loud, anyway. But yeah, it's you saw that. Uh, yeah, they just announced the new character. Uh, she's like a spider bot character that I guess is supposed yeah. to supposed so to cool. replace. Is it like a spider or a centaur, or has anyone like figured out exactly what she is yet? It's like this robot that's supposed to protect people that resembles a centaur. That oh, okay. hybrid, something weird, but it, it's a robot. She's a robot. Have you tried her yet? Um, I haven't because she's on the PC PTR, so okay. she's not on the PS4 yet. But I am super excited for her. Uh, I'm glad to see another female tank. Yeah. I'm glad to see, you know, um, I was really happy when I watched the developer update from Jeff yeah. uh, from the Overwatch team in which he, he actually addressed the fact that the team has looked at the criticism regarding the fact that, you know, you have Reinhardt, who is, you know, very big and bulky and you have Roadhog and you have Torbjorn you have Junkrat you have all these male characters that are able to have a variety of body proportions in contrast to just Mei and Zarya who kind of deviate from the body proportion of a slender small female character so he says that um, Orisa was this kind of way of challenging that notion and having this you know big bulky female character that's a machine and you know she's allowed to be very big and you know she's not a slender you know sexy robot or something she's mm-hmm. just uh she's just a machine served you know whose intention is to serve and protect people and i think that's awesome yeah have you seen any of her abilities like i've I haven't really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's the cool thing about Overwatch, in my opinion, is that every character that they've introduced so far has a very specific part in the team. So her ultimate basically gives like a fifty percent power boost to the rest of the team. So okay. it's a great Holy ability, shit. and it's not even like it's it's like a it's like um I think she has a fortify as well and. Is that, that like a zone thing or ult? Is it, or, well, so what it, do, it just, essentially does yeah. is, for example, Reinhardt, the big guy with the giant shield. Yeah. Um, just to express to people that may not mm-hmm. be too familiar, um, her one of her abilities actually—it's a fortify. It's that um, it saves Reinhardt from charging in at her. It just bounces him off. <laughs> basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so it, she's actually a good Reinhardt counter. So she doesn't replace Reinhardt. That's instead pretty cool. She counters uh-huh. him, like yeah, because of course Reinhardt's got plenty of problems, like with uh, um, I'm blanking on it. Who's the guy with the bow and arrow? <laughs> Hanzo? Hanzo, yeah. It's like he's, he's a good way to uh, chip away at Reinhardt or like, uh, um, uh, yeah, so uh, there's obviously ways to take care of him, but when he's up close, it's obviously more difficult. So she's meant to be more of a, a counter to him. And she yeah, can also definitely. drop a barrier, I believe, as well. What's her weapon? Uh, her weapon is this gun with like 200 clips. So it takes about more than a minute for her to have to reload. It's oh, pretty... Man. Clips or bullets? No, um, they're sort of projectiles, oh, so okay. it's not hit scan based. So there is that way of kind of kind of leading preventing them. her from being too overpowered. Okay. So you have to sort of time the projectiles. Yeah, but... she's meant to be more of an offensive character as opposed to defense. So like she's basically allowing people to get up close or closer than they would normally because once again she can bounce people off, she can drop down a barrier, um, and Essentially, you know, when everyone's going for that big push, she allows everyone, the entire team to take advantage of that, to kind of capitalize on a push. Yeah, and it's really cool how she also complements um, the hero that was released before, so Sombra, because a lot of people have been talking about how Sombra should get a buff, um, she's a bit too weak. 
Um, as a Sombra main, I don't know if she needs a buff in terms of her like offensive capabilities. But I do think that with um, Orisa now in the meta, Sombra's actually pretty effective against her. When she uses her ult against Orisa, she kind of just destroys everything. So it's kind of a nice way to both include a new hero and make a, a hero that had been previously, you know, been said that they needed to be a bit stronger you know in turn that hero is a bit more effective now too yeah and i think she's also got like that zarya ability where she can like remotely send a shield to somebody who needs it so she's got she's definitely got her place on the team it sounds like not as not as like very tanky as reinhardt is but definitely Mm. one that's going to be a good support for our team like an offensive support mostly so very sure and the one I can't wait to play myself. So that's cool. A lot of Overwatch. Is the, do they have any uh, new events coming up besides the, the new character that I know? Nope, not as of right now. Oh, okay, cool. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate all the uh, all the talk about Horizon Zero Dawn, of course. And do they say that there's going to be any new content for Horizon coming up? I'm not familiar too much. They did not. Um, oh, okay. There certainly will be, whether it's DLC or another game entirely, or maybe both. Um, but there, yeah, there should be additional content for sure. Oh, okay, great. We'll hear, I'm sure we'll <laughs> more about that at that time. So moving on to, well, well before we get to Josh, because uh, I, I know you got a lot of talk mm-hmm. about, Adam, you've been playing some Final Fantasy Four Years of Light, the game that everyone kind of forgot about. <laughs> well, you got to remind me what, which game this was. It's the DS okay, so one, yeah. I'm, I'm still been, last couple of weeks, just been playing some games that I just never got around to when they released, and just trying to clear them out of my backlog and whatnot. And um, so one game on my DS that I hadn't touched is Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light. So this game is, it's kind of like the predecessor to Bravely Default. Um, yes. I actually, I'm actually not 100% familiar with it because it wasn't developed by Silicon Studio. It was developed by Matrix Software. Yes. Matrix Software I think they're mostly known for ports. Like they did the the Dragon Quest DS ports and didn't, um, didn't Matrix? Am I forgetting that they did the Final Fantasy DS, the 3D version, or is that? Oh the, yeah, I think they did the Dragon Quest, um, and Final Fantasy four and three for DS. Let me look at their Wikipedia page here. I think here. they did the 3D remakes for those Final Fantasy yeah. three and four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they they looks like they did the Final Fantasy five and six mobile versions that oh that's work yeah <laughs> they, they also uh, had another yay. game that never got localized if i'm not mistaken oh they, they did the game nostalgia which i yeah. hear is not great but uh, oh, well i'm sorry that wasn't the game i was thinking of but yeah anyway let's continue on so so, that's, the, the so they, they, that's the kind of like that's the kind of uh, uh um pedigree <laughs> games we're, we're talking about when we're talking about matrix software so it's not silicon studio um but i'm actually kind of surprised how many similarities there are between this game and bravely default uh in terms of what they share like if, if, for example the the save point in bravely default is like this red-hatted adventurer person uh with a fox that that's the save point in bravely default and bravely second and it's the same thing in this game um it's the same character guy yeah. uh, and then some of the boss monsters are like shared and some of the regular enemies are the same enemies that you fight yeah. so like i didn't realize that there was actually like that many similarities between the games in terms of even just shared assets. I thought they were just kind of similarly styled games. Um, now, Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light is like uh, purposefully trying to be very old-fashioned. Um, so it did not review great. 
and I think that's one reason why is is that it is pretty obtuse in places and uh, somewhat tedious. It's also not an easy game. It's pretty difficult. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get the game over just from wandering the world map and fighting. Is it kind of like a saga game? No, it's not a saga game. It has a class system mm-hmm. um, where you go through the game. You start out with the only class you can access is freelancer. And then, as you basically progress through certain towns, when you when you access when you go to different towns, they each have like a. It's more old school. So rather than like a full art overarching like narrative it's like each town kind of has like a little problem that you have to solve type of deal and then as you progress you get more classes and you can change your characters into different classes and it's otherwise a pretty normal job system in that sense but it's kind of um, like the overarching premise of like why are you going to these different towns uh, your your town that your characters are from has been affected by a curse where everyone turns to stone oh, and then you're sucks. trying to yeah you're trying to find basically a solution to that so there is kind of an overarching story mm-hmm. in a sense like you're trying to basically save your town but like kind of as you go to each town there's like a different small little wrinkle like okay we'll help you if you go take out this guy um so it's not a story driven game really uh which is probably another reason why it didn't review very well um it does a couple <laughs> of pretty interesting things though uh that i've never i haven't seen any other game do uh for example in terms of you can upgrade your classes and you do this by attaching gems to a crown. You get a crown for each class. And the gems that you attach to it, you find in battle uh, in various types of enemies, various types of gems. So you basically slot them into different into these crowns to upgrade the class, which gives you more class abilities and things like that. And huh. then also, um, one other thing the game does, which is kind of weird and also makes it probably harder than it should be is that your characters jump in and out of your party very very fluidly oh like you have like no control over like who goes into yeah. battle okay so there's actually quite a few points in the game where you're only controlling one character at a time. <laughs> Shit. What? Okay. sometimes it's not like sometimes it's there really isn't a main character you have four main you have four of the main characters Right. But not one of them is like the main character. Sometimes okay. you pull one or the just, other. Just to be clear, I'm sorry. You said out of fluidity. Are you talking about like Final Fantasy 13 and that story events happen and then you're stuck with only one or two characters at yes. some time? Yes. Okay, because you said jump out of battle fluidly. I was confused. So or they jump out in and out of the party. Yeah. I said battle, I meant party. In the middle of battle, they give you the middle finger and leave. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh man, I'm, I'm tired of this. It's a lot <laughs> Anyways, of so like there are actually times in the game where you're left with one character and you have to traverse through a dungeon with one character. And the game doesn't tell you this, but I'm pretty sure you're not meant to fight battles in that portion of the game. You're meant to equip the Wayfarer class and run away from battles as you go through this dungeon. Wait, together. there's, there's oh. a class that, like, is focused on running around battles? Running battles. away from battles. Oh, that's okay. Okay. I heard and, it got pretty <laughs> convoluted, yeah. Like, very confusing so like, at times. So, like, this happens more than once. But I like that like, class. There was one time where you're basically going into a dungeon with a lone character... And I tried, you know, just going through it and fighting the battles as I get there. And it's like, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'm not actually supposed to be fighting these creatures by myself. So you just run away from every battle. And it almost feels counterintuitive because um, you have to go through basically a whole dungeon, which isn't that long. But uh, the year is 2075 uh, during this portion of the game. Um, and that's kind of the thing that I mean, like when it's like obtuse like that is it's it, it kind of feels unfair. Like, why are you? You just take away all the other party members and now I have to flee and if, if you get into a battle with the wrong class then you can't flee and it's kind of it's 
weird like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a mechanics-driven game. Also, in terms of the battle system, it's a normal turn-based game, but rather than using like MP or an MP gauge, you have five AP that basically, when you use an ability, it uses up to five, one to five AP, and then you can boost and basically gain some AP back during the battle. So it's kind of this. It's not like a. It's not um, like the brave the brave series. It's kind of right? like it's kind of like it, it, I can okay. see how it's a precursor to that. Um, it kind of sounds like, a little. It's bit. not like MP where you can like refill it with you know uh, an item or whatever. It's like this AP gauge that that you basically use up and then you have to boost a couple of times to get it back up. And different classes have different AP levels depending on what skills they use. So, so are you like skipping turns to like get back AP like accumulated? Yeah, like for example, when when you have, eventually in the second half of the game, your four characters basically stick and stay. Um, and when you get to that point in the game, it's it's you're basically having some characters boost and some characters do abilities mm. full time um, to kind of like toggle which characters are acting and which characters are boosting. Um, and it, so overall, this is a very mechanics-driven game. It's, it, ha- it, does, it does some really interesting things in terms of its battle system, in terms of its class system, and even just like the world structure and things and how you're progressing from one top to the next. But there isn't much of a story at all. It can be pretty convoluted and obtuse and cost. So it's, I, I can see why people weren't too fond of it, and they definitely made things a little bit more streamlined than they did Bravely, Bravely series, which um, of course that game kind of introduced a random counter slider. I'm sure it wasn't the first game to do that. Uh, but I wish more games did that. Yeah, they have that. It was kind of, that, was, that was one thing that they really worked on was making it streamlining that older school style um, RPG for turn-based RPGs. One person described it to me like this, that Four Heroes Alike kind of feels like, uh, like a reincarnation of an NES-styled RPG. Okay. Where the default kind of feels like a reincarnation of a SNES style RPG, and I, I I think there's some truth in that. I can see it, both in terms of how the games run and just in terms of their focuses uh, and things like that. So. That's that's pretty cool. I'm glad that someone went back and played that because I barely remember that game. I remember playing it. I don't think I ever finished it. I think how how long is that game? <laughs> it's. It's about 30 hours, so it's okay. not, like, super long. But for a handheld game, it's pretty long. Pretty beefy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone really remembers that game for a reason. It's, it kind of came and went, as it were. And then, yeah, I, I do remember a lot of comparisons being drawn between that. So is there any other games that you're playing right now or anything you're looking forward to playing sometime soon? Uh, I know I'll, you talk about this more, I'll talk about this more next week. Yeah. But I just started... Uh, Fire Emblem uh, Genealogy of the Holy War. Oh, shit. Okay, oh, I can't shit. wait for okay. that. <laughs> That's a long nice. so game. I've, so I've played most of the Fire Emblem games, but I haven't played... I haven't played Gaiden, but that one's getting a remake. Um, I haven't played any, either of the two SNES games, so Genealogy of the Holy War and Thracia, whatever number it is. Oh, um, yeah. Th- three, yeah, so, Thracia. Mm-hmm. Which I heard that game is kind of the black sheep of the series and does some really weird things. It's one of those uh, things, like, it, it, it's kind of, that point, that Fire Emblem series, where, like, I know a lot of people hate that from, from me, I'm just like, this is, this is kind of okay, but it, probably in a bad way. Apparently, every battle in that game is a Fog of War map. That's what, I, mm-hmm. that's what I've heard of it. <laughs> oh. Every battle is a Fog of War map. But yeah, so with, with, the, with the Gaiden remake coming out, I just kind of decided, you know what, this game is, 
everyone loves it. Everyone who plays it has loved it. And I'm only like one chapter in, and so far I can kind of see why. Um, and it kind of does similar things that Awakening has done in terms of, uh, I mean, one of the biggest premises of the game is that you pair up characters and then you play as the parents mm-hmm. in first generation, and then later in the game you play as their offspring uh, in the second generation, hence the title of the game. Um, so I kind of wanted to see this game. You know, I've been putting it off for far too long. So, but I'm not. I, I just started, so I'll talk nice. about it next week probably. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that video. I do remember that game being particularly long. I guess I compared to games today. Like it compares in length to games today. So it'll be interesting to see how you get through that game. Just fine. I know. I know. Like it only has it only has like twelve chapters compared to you know the twenty or thirty that other Fire Emblem games have. But chapters are like multi-part things. Yes how they work like you you seize a castle and you take on a boss there and then on the other side of the map a different boss shows up and the, and the story progresses mid-chapter and then you continue from there rather than being so segmented um but yeah it's you know it's a very well-regarded game um oh one one other thing i will mention is that starting last year uh there's been a work to have it retranslated it's had a fan translation oh, okay. for a while but they're working on they're doing a retranslation of it just to kind of improve it and also finish it because the original one was never actually finished. Um, I'm playing the retranslated version, and so far it's it's not. I guess it's the translation is done, but there might be a couple of bugs here and there, so it's technically in beta. But it's uh, so far it's it's it's. I'm very interested in the story and the characters, and there doesn't seem to be any issues with the translation. So cool. I mean, uh, for me, because I know once again, Josh, you have plenty to say. For me, it's that. Um, the only game I've been playing is Outlier Ferris, uh, which is out this upcoming Tuesday for PS4 and Steam. Is it also Vita? Am I? Am I just? I think I don't think the Vita is a Vita version coming over. Oh I, shit! I'm not <laughs> entirely sure. Well, regardless, I can't talk about I think it, it really I'll look uh, it up real quick. until the embargo's up. So I'll just mention that I am a big fan of the Outlier series just because it's a very it's almost like therapeutic in a sense for me. Like once the mm-hmm. game sort of uh, turns on its charm, I, I kind of it pulls around, it pulls me in, and really gets me interested in the experience. And so I'm always really excited whenever a new Outlier game comes out. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in to- what you have to say about it because uh, this one seems to be a big departure because now it's like um, more you know you're traveling a lot more because more on a journey. You're not like go- traveling back to an atelier, you know, to do your stuff. So I'm kind of interested to see how that shakes out. I will say it's perhaps the most ambitious the game has been from my experience with it. It's it's pretty astounding to see what exactly they've done. And it does take full advantage of the PlayStation 4 for the Ooh. first time, as opposed to Sophie, Outlier Sophie, uh, which mm-hmm. was a disappointment um, because it still felt like another one of the PlayStation 3 or even PS2 games. It didn't really do much different uh, in terms of its um, visuals or in terms of its scope. And so with this game, I will mention that, yes, it is a a much bigger game. It's meant to pull the series into into like the modern era, in a sense, because it it compares to, say, the Tales series in terms of scale now. That's that's what I'll kind of say, because as far as um, I know, people like to not uh, like knock on Berseria and Sisteria because they don't look that great visually. But I guess that puts them in the ballpark of the guests. I guess now, and that they, they have something to like, kind of um, like strive for, as opposed to Final Fantasy, where of course that they're like heads and shoulders above most developers, as it were, like the Square Enix team. 
you know, right. got them, you got visual arts. So it's like, it's hard mm-hmm. to compete with those guys because they put so much money into their art direction, like millions and millions. So uh, for Gus, though, with Out Your Fears, it does feel like at least that they're really trying to make an attempt at competing with the with the Bandai Namco studios. So it is, um, it is coming out for Vita. Good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I've, and I've, also, I've it also is coming out to PC. Uh, Sophie came out on PC yes. just last month, but this will be day and date. So that's kind of neat. The Koei Tecmo is doing that. Yeah, the Steam page just went up for that. So um, it, or it could have gone up before, but we only just recently noticed that that was the case. But yeah, there's a network save and load feature inside the game. So that makes a lot more sense. I was like, wait, you can't transfer your save from the PS4 to the PC. I was like, that didn't make any sense. So yeah, you can save your game in, in there and then also... That'd be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and it still has the whole background music change if you wanted to. In the game, it's only Sophie, but I assume once the game's out, you'll be able to download additional music on the, uh, For on, sure. the on the network, which is always a very cool feature. Even if I don't play with it as much, just because I want to experience the soundtrack uh, fully for the first time, but it's always great being able to change the whole... Like the battle music, the town music, the uh, the uh, out of your shop music to one of the one of the past Gus games that they've ever released in the past twenty years. That's always been a very cool feature of theirs. So um, excited to see what they do with that. But yeah, we'll have a review up on that uh, as soon as the embargo drops. So once it's up, you guys will know, and we'll find out how awesome or not awesome it is. So. But All right. Finally, Josh, since you've got so much to talk about here, um, people listening to this, this is the day after the Nintendo Switch launched across the world, or mo- uh, parts of it in any case. Um, majority. Yes, the majority of it. Um, stock seems to still be going in and out for a lot of people, so it's not quite completely sold out. Um, there's still ways to get it, but for the most part, it seems like... Um, there's been a lot of talk about it. So you had yours pre-ordered for quite a while since I assume the yeah server system went up on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I just I was like, I might as well just hang on to a pre-order. And then as the months went by, I was like, should I keep it? Then I just eventually just kept it. And I think it's a it's a really neat device. Uh, yeah, let's let's go I, in order here. So how's you, how are your feelings about the hardware itself so far? It feels good. Like it came. Uh, I got home from work yesterday unboxed it and whatnot and the first thing that really stuck out to me was the dock itself it's a lot heftier than you know i saw in videos and whatnot definitely more weight it's not it doesn't feel cheap the, the dock itself and i like the way that it kind of grips onto the surface where you set it down when you set it down like i feel that it's firm and in place uh there's kind of like a like a mesh uh underneath it that really grips uh, well with the spot the wooden surface that i have it on and, and just to be clear it's that when you set it it's it's more like it's resting on that usb-c uh plug right it's not actually like clicking or anything like that it's just kind of resting on it is that the case yeah yeah that's okay. uh so the way it's set up is that there's a little all the uh, inputs uh is on the back side of it like there's a little cover where you have to like pop it out and then that's where you actually uh, put in all the plugs, and then there's a little like gap in that uh, port, so you can cover it while the wires are still, uh, you know, sticking out of it like hor- horizontally. So it's not really in the way at all. Um, I it plays really nice with my Majorval card, my capture device. I was gl- glad that you know there was no uh, any weird HDMI handshaking things and whatnot because I have it uh, set up to an HDMI splitter that's connected to that Majorval card, and that worked fine even when I'm docking it in and out. Uh, that's working flawlessly. Oh, good. Just uh, 
I was concerned, you know, with the just previews I've been hearing and podcasts I've been listening to about the the grip device itself, or the where you put in the two halves of the Joy Cons, and to actually have like a grip for it. And people were kind of it feels a little narrow. It feels clamp for my hand size. It's actually works quite well. I was surprised at how comfortable it was uh, when I was uh, playing Zelda for a bit last night, and it feels like the the Joy Cons how the texture of the Joy Cons feel firm. Like I. I actually really like it. Like it feels nice to you know kind of because when you when comparing it to like a Dual Shock Four, the Dual Shock Four has like a more like kind of glossier surface, which feels nice. Feels nice for that. I really like Dual Shock Four, but this one the, the the texture is a lot more. You know, if you you can grip it a lot better, like it feels more firm just on the when you when it comes to contact with your skin. Um, Ooh, your skin. And just yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then <laughs> the just having feeling, it. Yes. Uh, uh, speaking of which, though, is that I also heard that the tablet itself is isn't it, isn't it made out of plastic? Is that the case? Like oh, I should say, not the tablet, but the switch itself. Actually, is the it? I, yeah, it's like it's like a hard plastic shell. Yeah. I, yeah. I it's it doesn't it doesn't feel cheap at all though. Just it's actually kind of an impressive oh, okay. piece of hardware that feels feels good. Um, the the weird thing that I kind of had to wrap my head around. I totally forgot that this is like the Joy Cons themselves don't have a D pad. So they kind of go back to the even the N sixty four days of like you know the the what was it the C were this were they the C buttons the yellow ones on the N sixty four yeah the, the, the C buttons yeah they're buttons actual buttons yeah so the I was kind of wrapping my head around that it's it's not bad but I either way I wouldn't uh, prefer a D pad or these for like for a fighting game I always go with arcade sticks on those but even if you're a more of a if you want to get like the Street Fighter two release coming out on I think May for or June. Uh, I cannot see a good this uh, segmented D-pad being a good like way or the D buttons rather yeah, being a good way to maneuver around the, that. Yeah, I think the argument for that was about not, not to cut you off, sorry, but mm-hmm. um, is that that a lot of the modern games tend to just map the uh, like weapon swaps and uh, item inventory and stuff like that. That was usually mapped to the D-pad and and not much else. And so yeah, it's, it started to do that. Um, but also, speaking of Street Fighter, I heard that that game's forty bucks. So, oh yeah, that's oh man, I that's definitely the definition of a cash grab right there. Yeah, ever and, seen it? But let's actually and moving on from mm-hmm. there then, because I, I obviously you know people can get tons of opinions about the hardware itself from other places. Is that what games did you pick up? I well, of course I bought that this along with Zelda, and that's been the blast. I'll talk a little bit about it later on. Um, I really didn't buy anything else i'm kind of eyeing a little bit blaster master zero just uh oh, I, yeah it does look pretty saw, damn cool <laughs> it, yeah it creates always doing a good job exactly that that's definitely when i think of a new blaster master that's exactly how i envision it um so i'm kind of thinking about that i'm also kind of think uh thinking of buying the that rhythm game that's uh like a mobile Obvious, game or, i think it's called boas or something Boaz? yeah yeah Boaz. i don't know how you pronounce oh, it Boaz. yeah uh, that's it yeah i heard it's portable only like yeah I think that's a that's a cool thing for Nintendo not to like mandate like developers for their games to work on both uh, docked and handheld. Uh, like they're giving them the freedom, like hey, if you know if you can only if you're really a touchscreen heavy game, like then absolutely just make your game work on the handheld then because it's not it's not like it's a it's a feature that like no one has access to. Everyone can always undock it and play that. 
Um, I'm hearing it's a good deal, the the voters, because I it comes to like over 110 songs or something, wow. and that and gets that gets pretty pricey if you consider the free to play model it does on the mobile version. But the I think the the Switch version is like 25 to 30 dollars, I want to say, and oh. and just in general, I hear so I've been seeing videos and hearing very good opinions about the the rhythm game itself, and it it looks nice. I'm I'm kind of. I'm kind of just trying to slow down on like you know kind of spending here, but uh, <laughs> it might be a lot some, of money something. to spend lately for you. You yeah. spend a lot of money lately. Yeah, it's not good, but I, I might it? think about it in the future. I know, uh, but other than that, I I think the coolest thing about it is just how easy it is to set up a Japanese account, um, and the the how region how easy region free is on this. Can thing. you actually? So, um, oh, oh, sorry, you got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like uh, just setting up a Japanese account was e- easy enough. Just I made a on like accounts.nintendo.com. I just uh, made a new Nintendo ID and just said, okay, but I live in Japan. They don't ask you for like a specific address like the PSN does. It's like, okay, you live in Japan, cool, all right, you're all set up, confirm, good. And then so on the Switch itself, on the Switch itself, it's not actually like a, a user account system like the PSN. It's uh, it's more the accounts themselves are kind of like branches of where you go on the on the screen so like when you uh, put on the the, when you go to the nintendo eShop, it'll say hey which user do you want this to access you can either have it say like my main account is the us or access it uh, through my other account which is linked to uh, nintendo id that's set in japan and it's like if i choose that one it's like okay you're at the nintendo uh, japanese nintendo eShop. so just just think about it like if you were to reformat the structure of PSN so that you only had one like hub or one home screen and every time you access a PlayStation store it just says hey which like uh, PSN ID do you want to access the PSN store your US one or Jap- Japanese one I think like, the Wii U did that a little bit I remember like I, on my Wii U I have my account or I, I don't even fully understand how this works mm-hmm. and I'm sure Switch maybe makes it more clear I've, but, like, I've I have never my account on the there and on my Wii brother's U. account on there um and whenever I turn on the Wii U, I have to pick which account I'm using. Um, I don't oh, know okay. like how that works with the eShop though. Like if I if if I buy it on my account since it's on this Wii U, can my brother access it or whatever? Blah. And never, yeah, I've never messed with it because the yeah. Wii U was region locked. So Nintendo just... account systems are not like hopefully getting better. Maybe I'm, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, th- this whole, just how easy it is to go region free on this thing is kind of crazy, especially when you think about that there are some. Uh, Nintendo, like Japanese Nintendo games on that Japanese eShop that already have the English language option and it's just easy to just like go in there buy it via, via like an eShop's card or I think it I think it only supports uh, I want to say Visa and maybe MasterCard I know it doesn't support American Express yeah. but you can even use like you know some of your you like credit cards uh, on that I'm not sure I don't think it upcharges I think it's just a direct currency conversion I think and, and I actually wanted to mention something because Adam was talking about it, is that I believe is that uh, you you said that there's no like separate accounts like on PSN and that's actually kind of also to its detriment because I heard that the way it works is that you can your Switch account is tied to your device and so if you want to say have your Switch account on multiple devices you have to deactivate it on one and activate it on the other yeah. so two people yeah. can access the same account from two different places. So. Yeah, that, that, yeah, there are definitely pros and cons Which to that. Which is a big if, bummer, yeah. Yeah, for like, sure. If it's more of a personal thing, it'll benefit. Like it'll be family. easier for you. But if you're I mean, trying to st- swap around accounts on different devices, like if you're at a friend's house, then yeah, that's 
definitely like, for both xbox 360 and playstation 4 uh-huh. like i have my account on my devices of course but then like my brother my younger brother um has both devices as well and whenever we i visit him over the holidays or whatnot it's just super easy for me to log into my account on his devices if we're doing like like a co-op game or whatever like last year we were playing a little bit of the new call of duty uh game and just to kind of log into my account there just it's so easy but you can't do that with nintendo yet yeah and it's it's nice because yeah you can even share games with friends obviously that's why they're they won't let you do that is because they don't want you to share games like a family account situation so it makes sense in that case, but like it doesn't seem like it bothers Nintendo and Sony as much, at least on their consoles. Obviously, with the Vita, that's a totally different thing, for sure. Uh-huh. Actually, yeah, and, and and so let's get into the actual games itself then. So you were you said you were playing a lot of Zelda. Uh, we probably yeah, don't want to do too out. much about that because it's still new to a lot of people. But yeah, you have experience? the yeah we have Alex's review on the site. He yeah. had uh, amazing things to say about that. <laughs> ten Just out of ten, baby. Phrase. That's our yeah. our fifth the ten fifth. out of ten here. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm I only got a few hours into it. It's kind of crazy what they did with this. You know, it's a lot. Obviously, you've seen it everywhere. It's open world now. It's uh, you're kind of imagining an inventory system in it, the weapon durability, cooking. It's just, it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of going back to the roots with the first Zelda, kind of just opening it up and say, hey, go anywhere you want, you know, do what you want to do. You want to see that place over there? Go run to it, <laughs> you know? Um, it's also, it's just very striking, you know, just the, the visual art style goes so, it it. it it definitely drives that game forward, you know. Like Skyward Sword, kind of was kind of the the precursor to this kind of art style where it went. Like it, it was kind of like a half baked evolution, I want to say. And Breath of the Wild just really kind of blew my mind, just the way, just how big this world looked. It's like a mix offset. between like cell shaded and models. It's yeah, and it's it, not, it's it not doesn't go too far in either direction. Yeah. It, it's very vibrant, you know, and I tried this on both the the docked and undocked. You know, I played it a little bit this morning uh, just downstairs seeing, you know, how this uh, thing ran just on handheld. And I, it's weird to say that, like, you know, I think the best way to play this game is is very much in handheld uh, because, you know, weird. yeah, it's a, like there's there hasn't been any, like, noticeable frame rate drops on that. And while at the... Last night when I was starting the game, just at one of the uh, the first major site or or uh, kind of place of interest that you're in, like I already saw like a lot of a good amount of frame rate drops already. Just like it wasn't enough to like deter gameplay. It wasn't like during battle or whatnot. But um, you know, I, I it could be any number of reasons on why that happens. It's kind of I, I imagine it's like a streaming data issue, but who knows on that? Um, but it's it. The whole shtick of the of like this console, this hybrid between a console and handheld, I think it's gonna work really well. I I really want to believe that because just just see just seamless play like docking, undocking Zelda. Um, they made it. They've made it so easy. And I'm, I'm kind of it's still. It's kind of like one of those like wondrous things like when you were as a kid and like you wondered how games worked and it all seemed like magic to you that's what it feels like to me it's like how the fuck does this even this how is probably this has probably been well known for a long time but i just haven't been paying that much attention to it so if you're playing it in docked mode can you just pick up the switch off the dock and then start playing it in handheld mode yep. with like no 
no, like, that was the no, first no, commercial. Like, yeah, that's no resetting the device or anything. Yeah, like nothing. It just it just works. Like I could just be running around and then stop, pick it up, and then it'll show that I'm still there and I can keep on playing. So that's... if you have to use the restroom, you could just yep, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that you know, a lot of people are already doing that. <laughs> but uh, and just the. Uh, I, I think the the one thing that concerns you about the hardware itself is kind of like the longevity of the rails, as like you're kind of taking out the the, the joy cons in and out. Uh, and the stress how test, the as it were, right? Yeah. Yeah, how the wear and tear looks like on that. I'm always trying to be careful, even like trying to like when I'm putting it back in, I'm still keeping that uh, button release uh, thing held down, so it doesn't. Because you can tell that like uh, that that button is very much plastic on metal, and how much that'll wear over time like i don't know what the lifespan is on that but i always try to be a little bit careful do you, you know? do you think speaking of which because there's been those reports about people taking pictures of the switch and seeing scratches all over the front and even like the was it that adhesive products also causing issues with that do you see do you think by the end of the year we're going to hear about a recall by nintendo i don't think you're going to do a recall i just I think that people should just get screen protectors. To be honest, I, if you're if you're planning to like do if that actual scratching thing is an issue, to me when I when I look at the the hardware and device and how when you when you're docking it, uh, always try to be a little bit like a bit careful when you're docking it. Like don't don't be careful try with to, the docking. Like, That's what they always say. You know? Exactly. They t- I always tell you, don't be careful when you dock. I mean, you're, because you're 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 slotting in a very you know, fragile like you know device with this like a you know a touch screen and whatnot into an actual other piece of device itself like if you like of course if you rub it on that uh surface enough it will scratch you know yeah. just the, if, you're, if you're not if you're being josh, careless josh can you teach me your docking maneuver sometime okay all right so you're just gonna have to get you know bottle oil and just kind of grease it up okay and just very slowly just very slowly all right all right and then oh. you're good oh, thank, <laughs> you. thank you for showing me so yeah. <laughs> we've been RPG site has been covering Zelda. We've talked about this before, but RPG site has been covering Zelda for oh, a while yeah, because mm-hmm. because like Zelda has always kind of been like like in the as Alex would put it in the spirit of an RPG. Now, yes, to try to define what an RPG is is silly and useless. Stupid, <laughs> but like Zelda has like never been like really considered an RPG. Mm-hmm. Fully, it's like it's kind of yeah. Zelda Two was as close as it got, yeah. As, but as we, we kind of covered it because it had the spirit of an RPG and people wanted us to, and all that. And it's just it's kind of like come to the point now, like okay, this game is like pretty much full blown yeah, RPG. Now. Yeah, as, like Link doesn't have stats and numbers, yeah, there's, and a, there's no level up system, and that's why it like it doesn't strictly quote unquote. It's still it's still one step people. removed or whatever. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's still very much still an adventure game at its heart, but you know there's enough systems and mechanics on top of it that are very you know inspired by other RPGs already. That yeah. I'm I'm flexible with calling it an RPG. You know I'm not gonna. I, I mean like to to me game games like. Game genres aren't really, you know. Yeah, especially our site. I mean, like we know for a fact, you know, for, we know out from experience that RPG that definition can be stretched. Yeah, many, many I mean, different it, ways. Uh, yeah, there will always be games that like that strictly puzzle, like Tetris. That's not in any way, shape, or form a fucking yeah. RPG. Don't yeah, fucking... what are what are genres anymore nowadays? Anyway, because a lot of games right. have taken RPG elements. At, or at or like Boas, for example. It's a it's a rhythm. That's a rhythm game. It's not an RPG. I mean, of course, there's always gonna be like genre guidelines, but for ones that like kind of 
blur that line so closely like uh, Breath of the Wild. And to me, it's just like I'm very flexible. If you call, if you consider an RV adventure game, cool. If an RPG, cool. And the, yeah. But, but now, uh, now it's got like I know some of the recent Zelda games had like kind of miniature loot systems. Mm-hmm. This is like full blown like. This is the, the, yeah. This isn't like you know. There's not some weird rarity system in it. Yeah. Still, there's just very much. You you found an object. It'll last for a certain amount of hits, but you're it's not it's not like you're trying to uh go for like i, I hope this like uh monster like drops a legendary stick yeah. or something you know it's still not that Ooh, trying to get rare <laughs> drops fighting rare monsters rare yeah. <laughs> alex did talk about though that he would go to certain sections of the map that's definitely more challenging and he'd be very very afraid about what he's doing at that point in time because he's like oh man if i take the wrong turn i might get ambushed by these harder enemies because actually, they're a lot smarter in this game than they used to be like it's a hard it's a hard game in comparison to what yeah we used that's to. a weird thing to talk about zelda because when i think about like the zelda in the past six seven years it's definitely not like not easy. even that it's like been almost or, or always like that it's in like the like even except for like, like zelda 2 <laughs> yeah like yeah zelda 2 is a whole is a beast uh but uh, like ocarina of time was a super easy game yeah in, in the grand scheme uh, but this one is a, a lot more. You can see the survival aspects of it. You know that the, the survival genre is still a very much a, a popular thing these days. And you know, I think uh, Nintendo going back and saying, "Okay, what's like? What are the popular systems of video games and uh, like these days? How do we present that in a way that's very much in the spirit of not only Zelda but in us as well?" Because it, se- it seems Nintendo, like they took inspiration in the right way. They didn't, yeah. Like... They didn't, you know, try not, to just copycat or exactly or whatever. Nintendo just, is usually Nintendo usually likes, you know, to go off in their own direction, trying to like blaze a trail. This one, it's kind of it's it's not even like following the leader. It's more like what's our spin on this, and how do we make this so that this makes sense to everyone? Like kind of kind of presenting like this, uh, this package, this densely tight package, in a way that feels very natural and not like oh they're copying assassin's creed oh they're copying daisy it's like no this is still zelda it just it it looked at that and kind of made it its own thing and it's very much you know resource management is a big part of this game uh you know crafting potions uh uh picking out which weapons you want because you know you never know when you have to like say goodbye to a weapon essentially and kind of saving uh weapons for bigger encounters instead of like oh shit i used like this awesome fucking claim <laughs> so you're stocking so it kind of like, 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 like using the like, super awesome sword on the yeah. Yeah. It's yeah like mega elixirs you're saving them up for a rainy day that you'll never <laughs> you never you never use them because you never yeah. know when you might yeah, need them don't later. ever use mega elixirs even if it's the final boss do not fucking use that mega elixir never know, like the new game plus or some <laughs> shit. You, you never know there'll be a secret uh a super tough secret boss after it just don't ever use it <laughs> i swear to god like, and how do you like the the cooking aspect of the game yeah i've I been curious uh, about that i haven't really uh spent much time in the cooking i saw a recipe i haven't actually like interfaced with the cooking yet so i can't speak to that yet i really want to get the cooking though i i picked up a, a baked i stole an old man's baked apple and i stole a bokoblin's hideout of like seared steak and that's about all i have for food I, i've heard some funny items. anecdotes of, like people like trying to pick apples and then they like start getting attacked like while they're picking apples and whatever <laughs> bees, bees almost fucked me up okay i was like low on health <laughs> and i'm like i kind of want that shit and bees are like uh-uh you're not getting our honey honey i'm like okay 
Yeah, I've been interested in that aspect of the game because I have read people saying that they normally tend to ignore the cooking aspect of RPGs that have lately, you know, been implemented. But with uh, the Zelda game, they actually really found it fun and necessary even. Um, and they actually enjoyed the process of doing it. Small aside, I am not very familiar with Monster Hunter, but I remember the one game I tried, I tried to figure out how the heck I cooked like the side <laughs> of the beast. Because <laughs> you got to get it just right. <laughs> I, I tried to try to cook like the meat of the thing I just killed. And I, I could not figure it out. And that's actually one reason why I gave up on it. I was just like, screw <laughs> this. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's hard cooking. Me in real life. I, I still think that the, the, yeah. the funniest uh, cooking system in RPG for me was in Dragon's Crown. Um, during, during those uh, intermissions between stages, uh, when you have like a party of four online, oh yeah, uh, and like you're on, you're trying to make like the perfect fucking like meal for your like theme, and they just keep fucking it up. They just keep grabbing ingredients and putting it in there and burning it and totally forgetting about it. And it's just like one of those like almost friendship breaking modes. Like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Don't ruin my fucking food. Co-op is always <laughs> the worst in that game because everyone like tried to rush through all the stages. Yep, <laughs> that so, was. Always funny. So that's so. Is that kind of been going to be on your block? I I know you've got you've got near automata as well. I know you, do, uh-huh. you can't really talk too much about. You shouldn't talk much about it, but I I won't talk too much about it. But um, you know, it's coming out next week uh, as of time of this recording. But I did finish up all the you know main endings in it and whatnot. It, that's not a big surprise because in the original near you had uh, you know endings as well that kind of like built off of each other. But man, that's uh. That's a very, very good game, and people should not sleep on Nier Automata. That it I, kinda... I've heard really good things, um, like from everyone I know who plays this game, and like some people who are like big into story and games, some people who aren't, like all different types of people that I know who have played this. Like they all love it, so it's just like, wow, this game it's, seems like it's something special. It's one of it's one of the most astounding video game stories I've actually ever witnessed. It's it's an experience, and I'm. I'm very surprised. Like going into this game, like I, it was cool, you know, the Platinum Games is developing it, uh, along with Jokotaro's, you know, creative vision, and whatnot. I was like, okay, that's that's awesome. But I was never like, you know, too big on like the gameplay aspect of Yokotaro's games. I mean, I, I think Nier was the one that is was the most bearable for me. It wasn't awful, but it was still kind of still mediocre to me to the point that like by like the third playthrough of that, I just wanted to speed along combat, and that's never like a good thing to me if I feel like I just wanna get done with combat you don't want to play it yeah, yeah it's like, like I just, it's like i just grab the phoenix spear and be like okay i just want to get through combat and just see what the ending looks like to this and you know along with any of the other things that changed in that playthrough but in automata it was entertaining all the way through in terms of gameplay but also just the narrative direction it takes just is mind-blowing to me because i didn't think that you know video games could convey the the themes it tackles in a very, uh, it takes advantage of itself at being in a video game. It's not like trying to tell a book. It's not trying to read you a story. It's very much showing you, but the the gameplay that you're going through is driving that narrative very directly. And I know. You, would you say that the type mm-hmm. of story it tells is something that would not be nearly as effective if it was, say, like a movie or a book. Absolutely. I think this on this game this type of game only works as a video game and that's that's very, very insane to think about. And I, I have no idea if this is uh, I try to be the, very vague, I have no but... idea if this is a type of 
uh, if this comparison makes any sense, but you're, you were talking about that kind of reminds me of 999. I was just about to say that. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> the type of thing that only works as a game type of thing. Yeah. Those are the best, I feel. I was just about to mention that because I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's a, it's very extensive in that aspect. It it, it kind of if you think about 999 but really explores every aspect of being about a game, I think you'd have something similar in that case and kind of rolling it back to like uh you know strong female protagonists as well like like to be in that game is very much like you know a lot of people will make you know the question her design and whatnot but the way they tell her narrative out of the game is it's kind of, to me it was one of the most like heartbreaking things of the year to me like kind of just the way they kind of present the whole narrative and i think to be it definitely ranks up there as one of the most you know meaningful insightful protagonist not just not just her there there's a good amount of like side characters in there but more so on like the events that unfold in that game around her and directly or indirectly with her it's it's fascinating one very fascinating game that i hope to talk more about in length in one way shape or form Man, it's, I think that's it's, really exciting i think it's just great that someone mentioned 99 because <laughs> like, <laughs> like you said 99 nights right because like no i said 999 okay Oh, I thought someone mentioned 99 nine persons, nights. Cause... Nine hours, nine doors. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. Because uh, I was thinking about you said that immediately thought of 99 nights. I was like, that game was in development for just six months. <laughs> that game came out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um... just uh, def- but just definitely to anyone listening out there, do not stop on your first playthrough. Get through all the main endings, and I and uh, you know, I mean, there'll be other things that you can do as well, but definitely see the entire story. Because if you only go if you only go through that game once and see like like the first ending uh then you only maybe only saw at best 25 percent of the whole story wow. at best awesome that's kind of the experience and, from the, from not, as well. yeah and i don't want to deter people from like playing it's like oh shit i have to go through like the it's me a long ass game it's like no for right now my my gameplay count uh, my gameplay timer is like around 35 hours yeah i hear it is not oh. like a ridiculously long game no so it's, it's not so with, it's, with it's zelda definitely... horizon and soon coming up persona 5 all going to be pretty darn long this seems like it's much it's not i'm not it, saying this is a bad thing at all it's a little bit more of a confined yeah it, it, it there's the because there there's i'm not 100 percent done with like everything there's still a whole yeah. shitload more but that's all spoilers but most definitely like get through at least the main parts and see all the entire well, main there from what i've heard like near the first near was kind of similar like the, if you only did the first ending like you really mm-hmm. didn't even see like the second half of the game, really. right? Yes. But I know with Near, I, I heard that Near Tamada kind of takes that to a different level. Like, it, like it, you really haven't seen anything. You um, first, yeah, first you haven't seen anything, and second, just it varies it up on your subsequent playthroughs to the point that your second playthrough may seem similar in terms of like what you're seeing, but the way you're going about it is very different because you get a lot more context to what you're going I through. Know, I know with the original Near. Some mm-hmm. people are actually put off by it because to get like the second ending and the third ending, you have to go through a pretty large portion of the game a second time or a third time. And um, I mean, yes, I, no, I had no you, problem with that myself, but I guess yes, people yes, they it, it, you, there's a couple more cutscenes and you get a little bit to slightly small spoiler. You hear you start to hear like the perspective of the shades in that mm-hmm. game to like to try to mix it up, but you're still playing through the same sections again and again. I think you have to do it three times. Um, I think 
this but, this one you're, you're it's, but i it's hear that similar. automata is a little bit yeah less repetitive in that way that I, getting all the endings much. is like you'll want to do it i guess it's it's it, something it's something similar to like the like you get to hear like what you're doing like you see it under a different lens you see it like different perspectives on what you're doing and whatnot but also like gameplay varies as well so you're not going you're not going about the game the same way you are like much well, like in let's, your... let's not get too deep into yeah. that stuff because i, I think wanna... we're, we're floating way too closely to spoil it territory so if the game's not like, even like out said... here don't want to bum out so many people listening to that so um so yeah, Nier Automata is also one, another one of those games that are out Tuesday uh, alongside Outlier Ferris. I wonder which game is going to get more attention, but I guess we'll find out. But finally, before we wrap things yeah, up, you yeah, also have here mentioned you've got Super Robot Wars V. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I've been hearing about the amazing, much better in translation <laughs> for that game. Yeah, the the English script for that, like just a bit of context. Uh, the the previous. Uh, Super Robot Wars game uh, in English for this uh, was called Moon Dwellers, and that was more uh, about more original, uh, u- an original universe inside this uh, series. So there's no licensed uh, anime in that. But the, the English script for that was very rough. Like the type font was very. You know, if you see like machine translations, the font is very much like that in uh, Moon Dwellers, along with like you know a host of uh, spelling errors, grammatical errors, and it, just, it was kind of infuriating. You know, it just felt like a half baked effort, and it just kind of was. People were, people were thankful that they finally got. <laughs> people felt, felt thankful that you know they finally got to play an SRW game officially in English, like after so many years, ever since Atlas CBA titles, or yeah, G, uh, localization on on those on the Game Boy Advance. But like it's still you know it, it's kind of bummed you know even me out. But uh, in V, it's a lot better. The ta- the type the typesetting is a lot. The, the font itself looks a lot ni- nicer, cleaner. It integrates more into the actual UI. There's still very, very small, like you know, typos here and there, like grammatical errors, just fires. But it's very uncommon compared to the this one. It's, it, and sometimes, you know, they kind of have fun with their script. Like there's there's definitely some <laughs> liberties with it. Yeah, I see those pictures. Bit, yeah, some, some a little bit too, you know, kind of over the top. But I, just in the overall grand scheme of things, it, it's still it's still nice that you know, they there's a lot of humor in that game in that script, and I, it, it they conveyed it very well. On that, and I think the nicest uh, thing about that game is like it's not just you know just another SRW game in English. It's the first officially licensed SRW game, like along with you know it has Gundam's Evangelion and whatnot in it. Like that's the first official one in English, and ever since the twenty, the first one in twenty five years ever since SRW came out. So it's kind of a landmark title. Yeah, yeah I know you said I I remember before this game came out, you were kind of worried about the English translation because like Bandai Namco Asia had like not showing off any of it yeah they didn't like they they actually uh put up the the english like the promotional videos for it, like maybe three to four days after the game already came out like and <laughs> so i'm just like okay wow. but you know i'm just glad to see that like they pulled it off it's it's a very it's a very fun entry in that series it's a good gateway because it does, it's not link it's not a sequel to like any past srw games it's very much its own contained thing but it's srw is kind of notorious for kind of reintroducing the series that it has, like the origin stories to that over and over again. Not so much in V. Like in V, they already have like kind of like an established universe that you kind of see where all these uh, anime licensed uh, games kind of tie together. Like in this one, it has uh, Gundam Seed Destiny, but it takes place uh, after that series already occurred. But they lightly touch upon, you know, events that happened in the past with uh, 
with other anime series that you know obviously wasn't in that show. So for example, they had uh, there there were some cross Ange characters that uh, participated. Oh, cross Ange. Yeah, they, that participated in the in the events of Seed before you know this game even began. But like they kind of like touch upon that. It's like oh, you're already good. You're already witnessing a new universe, a crossover universe that already has like you know, deep relationships with each other, and you kind of see how things are getting, like you know mixed together and whatnot it's really cool it's uh really cool to see that okay, because I, i'm not too familiar with all these different licenses but with a game like mm-hmm. like project x zone okay. or cross zone mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i guess it's more like these characters are all from their separate universes and they're kind of like interacting for the first time mm-hmm. or this it's more like all these characters from other universes have been it, it's as though they've been interacting so, yeah some of them do some of them yeah some the, of them like, already yeah, some of them like like it has its own like historical timeline already in place. Okay, that's like, kind of like, that's kind of neat for a crossover. I yeah, because like, it, like, it feels like almost every single crossover is like this is the first time they're interacting, or this feels yeah. like not that. The, this one, like say for example, like in Gundam Double O, you had this uh, the main faction in that called Celestial Being, um, already has like you know ties with the Orb Foundation that was in Gundam Seed Destiny, and they already have their own working history going into this. Um, and that's pretty cool to see, but <laughs> but at the at the same time, you get to see the the roots of like a lot of the the newcomers, like what you would what you traditionally wouldn't see as like a robot show, like Space Battleship Yamato, twenty one ninety nine, or Star Blazers as the localized name would put it. Then like that's the starting point of all this. Like you have this big battleship called Yamato that has to travel thousands and thousands of light years away from our Milky Way system to kind of get a device from a, from an alien planet to like uh, recover Earth because the state of Earth uh, in this game is kind of fucked up in the beginning. It's uh, like the oceans are red. It's kind of like an orange planet now because the opposing faction in that Yamato series launched planet bombs from Pluto to it. And it's, it's so like, you know, thing. sounds it, like it, an it, anime. Yeah, it's very much an anime. Very much, uh, but you know, it's a uh, it it helps people have a just a basic understanding and kind of ramps it up from there. And like half of the reason SRW is like really cool, of course, is the attack animations, and people always go to that. But you know, the big missing part in SRW games always been the like the actual character interactions, like the crossover script and whatnot. And that's always been really fun, but for the first time, like people really get to see that to like a, this official like extent, like this official support. And I see more people raving about like you know, that uh, over like the attack animations itself, and that's really cool to see because people are kind of finding this new rediscovered love for the series. And not to say that you know, like there are also like crazy amount of ideas in this game that like have not really is new to the series but kind of come together in a, a really good way like for example there's this new exc system that you gain these points that every time you kill an enemy it's an srp a strategy rpg um that you can kind of use those points for different bonuses so for example like there's this multi-action skill that, that consumes three of those and if you kill an enemy uh you get, gain a second turn essentially and if of course, if you still have leftover EXC, you can like kind of go on a kill streak with that. Uh, and then in turn, uh, the experience system in this game isn't bound by like 
uh, investing in one character particularly for their skills and whatnot. It's all tied to this like tactical point system, and this this is a currency that you know you have to kind of manage because you you use it for pilot abilities uh, or purchase purchasable like uh, customization parts in the shop or investing in like passive bonuses in like this uh, crystal system. And okay. that's. I don't want to dwell on this too long, yeah. but like it's like this shared pool of points yeah. that you basically have to spread out through all of your characters. Yeah, and so there's actually, yeah, so there's actually like tough decisions you have to make in this on like what where do you want to allocate those resources for? And it, I don't want to dive too too deep into that. I know I'm kind of like kind of ranting off already, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's it's just it's it's just kind of cool to see that like there's a meaningful SRW title that got released in English that kind of switches up the for the formula a whole lot, and I I've been having a lot of fun with that and. It's just once again another really excellent game, and it's pulled, like kind of season of like all sorts of amazing games. So if you if you're into that, there's it's definitely there. You know, uh, finally an SRW game in English, and not just one that like a throwaway title. It's actually a very very good one. Awesome. Well, that's actually that kind of what you've been talking about just a little bit ago. That kind of leads into news uh, mm-hmm. with what we want to talk about. One thing we do want to mention, because you were talking about Nier Automata, we finally got a solid release date for the PC version of the game. That's been dated for March 17th, which is uh, just a week from next Friday, right? Is that yeah? Right? So yeah. P- yeah, so PC players don't have to wait very long to play, like an extra week, basically. I, yeah. I feel like it's worth um, mentioning kind of like the saga of how this like came to be, right? Because so, this is, it was just a yeah, trailer. I mean, yeah, it's, they messed well, up. Well, no, no, not even so that. Square Enix historically, <laughs> Square Enix has been porting a lot of their games to PC lately. Um, yeah. And what they normally do is they wait for the game to release on PlayStation 4 or Xbox, and then a couple of months later it gets announced a PC version, and then it's, on, it's released on PC. That's kind of how it's been for a while. Um, and then for Nier, that was a little, Nier Automata was a little bit different that they announced the PC version well before release. It was like uh, a then, yes, I believe. Yeah, yeah but, then, but then they kind of acted like they never had announced it. Like they, they, mm-hmm. they didn't really say much about it. They, they never confirmed that it was going to release day and date with the with the ps4 version they just kind of ignored it and we didn't really know it didn't have a steam page for the longest time and then uh on one trailer i don't remember exactly which trailer it was but it was a relatively recent one it said steam march 10th uh like oh okay i guess that's that's the european release date so it's just releasing day and date with that you know a couple days yeah american version yeah to be to be clear that 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 trailer is only available at their assets page on their media Yeah, so that trailer was on their press page, like just a video file you download. Um, But then Square Enix uploaded that same trailer to their YouTube channel, but it didn't, it was the same trailer, but it didn't mention the PC version. Like, what's going on with this? Yeah. And then they 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 took down that video file that was on their press site and then they replaced it. And uh, they wouldn't, they didn't, they still didn't say anything. Like, they just kind of ignored it. And then I think just, couple of days ago really um it was found that the march 17th date was seen on like a support page on the japanese before that site. before that the, the, they had uh they had they had the the store page for it on their site like oh, just for the, a fair bit yeah on the square enix store just for a fair bit and then like but they quickly took that down but then people found out like through a google web cache that like you know the, that was definitely a thing on their store page, and then like hours later, that Japanese support page came up with the March seventeenth release date. But people were still like, "Is this actually the real thing?" Finally, 
and then that's finally when the the Ninure game the Twitter, Twitter yeah. said, yeah, that's March seventeenth. This is this is gonna come out for PC, and finally, like hours later, the the Steam page for that went up. For finally, finally confirmed. Like, okay, this is definitely coming out on March seventeenth. Yeah, and you can, like also, people are just there now. There's also a Twitter account dedicated to the game that also confirmed it. So finally, well, comfort, comfort, comfort. But we, it's kind of interesting to see to find out like the what the quality of that port's going to be because I. You don't really know of, I guess the only other one, like Platinum Games, is like only a couple of games I can think of that's over there. It's like Legend of Korra and Metal Gear Rising, well, Metal Gear right? Ra- but like, I, I, this is where it gets a little, like, I'm not sure. Metal Gear Rising, I think there's a bit of outsourcing for that PC port. Like, was it Platinum or how many people at Platinum actually worked on that PC port? Was the near port all internal or not? We don't really know. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we'll only know until but, people finally get their hands on whatever it. Whatever the quality is going to be, everyone's going to be at, like. No, I, I I heard like this is just kind of rumor stuff. That one reason why they didn't want to confirm it right away was they saw that Resident Evil got cracked so darn quickly. Um, on the, the Denuvo, yeah, the yeah, DRM, yeah, and that 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 made them worried or something. Like they wanted to make sure Denuvo had patched those leaks or whatever. To hopefully that this game is oh, there's, there's no yeah. way they're going to stop people from cracking yeah, I mean, games it's pointless that, but that, that again that's not confirmed or anything that's just uh, some murmurs out there and I also feel like mentioning that talking about Square Enix and PC ports they, uh, we talked about this last week but Dragon Quest Heroes uh, 2 it's PC port is coming day and date they, they actually confirmed that yeah. announced it uh, yeah, um, yeah. so that's I, I think that's you know, Nier is a couple days late or a week late, and Dragon Quest is getting a day and date PC release, so that's neat. I'm I'm very curious because you know the as much as I love that game, there are still you know technical performance yeah, I, issues I heard the on the base PS4. PC port, Koei Tecmo. You know, the Koei Tecmo ports have had have, have don't have a great record. Not on, better PC, not on Steam. It's actually kind of. Uh, poor. I was actually referring to Automata, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <I> was, okay. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so we're going to find out about that game and find out exactly how many mods are going to be landing with that game soon afterwards. I, I can already imagine the types of mods people are going to be wanting I, to make. I just with hope that, that people have enjoyed a good game. You know, I hope they 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 end up loving it. Absolutely, we'll find out more about it then. Another piece of news uh, is that uh, Spike Chunsoft had their big press conference their first actual international press conference during gdc technically it was the thursday before gdc but they did have some news to announce um uh some clarification about like release dates and things like that so one thing they did announce was that danganronpa v3 and ultra despair girl piece uh ultra despair girls sorry i'm misreading this are going to be released on the same day as their console counterparts so uh danganronpa will be on september 26th uh, which is actually that's a few V3. days. Yeah, that's Danganronpa V3 on September 26th. V3, yeah, Danganronpa V3 will be on September 26th, which actually is interesting because if that's an international release, that means that people in Europe can actually get the game a few days before if they decide to go with that one versus the PS4 version. And then you've got uh, Ultra Despair Girls, the uh, midquel between Danganronpa 1 and 2. That'll be out on June 27th on PC. I didn't actually know that they had an actual release date for Ultra Despair Girls because I thought that was still just like a summer thing, but um, that's... Yeah, and those are basically both same North American days. They're PS4 versions, so... That's awesome. That's awesome for people to hear, and hopefully there's no region locking so European people can just decide to pick those games up, not have to sit around and wait a few extra days. 
speaking of Danganronpa, it's worth mentioning that the PS4 ports of the first two games that are bundled in Danganronpa 1 to Reload, that's coming out like in a week and a half or whatever, right? Yeah, a week Jesus. from Tuesday. I think, didn't, I could have sworn that during GDC it mentioned that it came with like a mini OST or something like that? Or am I mi- Something like that. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, I think that might be part of it. I know, of course, that Danganronpa has its own, uh, the V3, excuse me, has its own like special edition that's supposed to be out. Um, but anyways, it's kind of nice that you can... Uh, basically, uh, once these games release, you can play basically the whole Dong and Rampa series on Vita, PC, or PS4, or whatever you choose. Exactly, because yeah, Dong and Rampa V3 will be also out on Vita. Is that is that also out on Vita? Yeah, that's a Vita game okay. too. Okay, yes. okay. The I get so confused. Yeah, and I obviously right after Nice America's press conference a month ago, a lot of people were asking like, what about the PC port? Like, well, you know, Spike Chunsoft. Spike Chunsoft takes that, care of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Soon enough, they'll be handling all their own games um, in the West, as they have been in Japan, of course. So, uh, other piece of news from that same event: uh, Katoro Uchikoshi uh, announced his next project. Uh, he's the creator of Zero Escape. For people who don't know, the series creator. His next game, uh, now that that trilogy is over, is called Project Sync. All they showed was a slide, a slide, a white slide with. How, an how eyeball. would you pronounce this? Is this is this like sync, as in like is it a P silent? Pasync. Well, actually, I was actually about to ask. Or, is that how you pronounce or, his name? Or, or is this like yeah, uh, Kotaro Uchikoshi? I, 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 in my head, I was like Uchikashi. Or is this? Or you can you can like uh, like handle like this uh, sync thing as like like psychic like sync. No, it's it's sync because it's like synchronous, you know. So it's it's sync. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how anyone would pronounce it otherwise. Sync, sync, sciency, sync, sync. If you call it sync, I give up. Okay, I, I'm tired okay. of Japanese names. Well, uh, <laughs> what would you do if that was actually the official oh, like that? I was still called. Anyway, it'd be like Ryu and Ryu. <laughs> All right. Project Sync. <laughs> they showed basically a screen with like an eyeball. Yep, and that is and that's all, it. That's all. The no, let, let's be clear here. It's the eyeball, and then a little bit beneath, after, like behind the eyeball. So, right. is it people going to really like you know do like one of those like uh, trailer like uh, scrutinies where they're going to really dive deep into a single slide and just what can we pull from this? Like, no, there's literally you know nothing. it's already happening. I'm no, sure. People, like, Game Explained has got like a huge like 30 minute trailer about or some. But if that's... you 300% zoom at, like, the right corner of that eyeball, you see a number. Oh, it's just like the tweeter meme lately where it's like, <laughs> look at, like, zoom in on this picture, then look to the bottom right, the bottom left, and then... It's like a, an episode beautiful. of CSI, like, you know, image enhance, 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 terrify, enhance. Just a pinch and zoom. It's ridiculous. And lastly, <laughs> the last piece of news that they, they shared uh, that... Uh, well, actually, okay. Another piece of news was a new Fire Pro Wrestling World, and that I'm fucking super excited for that because I am a big fan of Fire Pro Wrestling. That was like back in the N64 days. Um, but they Perfectly also that announced much. that 428, the sound novel, because uh, Chunsoft as a company used to do a lot of sound novels in the 90s. Uh, they're one that was released, I think it was for the Wii, right? Wii. It was yeah. originally Wii, and then like PlayStation 3, yeah. and then it got a mobile port eventually, not too long ago. Yeah, so 428 Fusa Sarada Shibuya Day. That's whatever you want to put it. That's going to Fusa Sarada Shibuya. It's going to, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, why don't you say it because you know how to pronounce it? Yeah, 428 Fusa Sareta Shibuya, which is like in a blockaded Shibuya that roughly translates to. And that's uh, being released in the, to the PS4 and PC West. 
uh, in spring of next year as 428 Shibuya Scramble. I've actually played this game before. It's oh. a fascinating game. Is it uh, all like? It, like it's sales? very highly regarded by the people who played it. Yeah, so. yeah it's a it's a very interesting piece of work. It's like a live action visual novel, but yeah, definitely, uh, but not visual novel in terms of, like portraits. The, it's referred to as a sad novel because a lot of it is like voice acted with just text on screen. But it's kind of like a mystery novel that takes place uh, uh, through the eyes of like a, a whole cast. You're not playing as only as one person in it. It kind of shifts perspective. Uh, to the whims of the plot and whatnot. Yeah, and I, know, I know a lot of people were kind of bummed up because Spike Chunsoft a while back had a survey on Twitter where they were asking people the games that they want to be localized. Uh, and the one that got 36% of the vote was for 28. The one with 38% of the vote, which was the number one spot, was the Kenka uh, Bancho Atome game that they yeah, didn't announce. Yeah, it, it definitely was. A, uh, I get to like gauge interest rather than like hey if you if you're second place fuck you yeah but they'll announce uh, that soon enough it seems like it's just part yeah, of running into like licensing issues or something like that maybe who knows who knows sure. but this is this is i'm i'm really excited that's yeah. that's amazing i can't believe in like in the year fucking 2018 428 is finally getting localized it's a very it's it's like uh, like live action japanese actors and everything like that so it's mm-hmm. a very yeah. odd game to be localizing but yeah i mean clearly there's a big audience for visual novels and these types of games in the west and it just means that it's kind of a no-brainer now to release those types of games over here so hopefully we get to see more of those and spike chunsoft seems to be in love with the west so we get to see more of their catalog the better and i that that's like last uh, we got a couple last pieces of news here for spike chunsoft i just want to mention one last thing is that Uh they seem to be like a pretty like chill <laughs> they're embracing this worldwide globalization yes like apparently they're Japanese, apparently their japanese localization of the witcher 3 is apparently like really really good yes really i've heard that actually yeah, yeah you can actually wow. get that version japanese you can voice get acting it. localization and everything i heard i heard it's like top notch you can download yeah, that's, that's, that on that's the not PC. an easy thing to do no. it, like as for, for all we mentioned about like japanese to english localizations english to japanese localization is a freaking nightmare logistically speaking because they we, we explain things so like the way we express ourselves is very much lengthened compared to uh, japanese characters where you can fit like a whole freaking essay like into a few like just like characters thanks to kanji I know that uh, uh, for, that's actually a good point. Is that like I, I know that Eight Four Play uh, localization group that they're now making a lot of money helping like localize games from the West to Japan, yeah, like, like Shovel Knight. Knight. Yep, and yeah. uh, Rogue, Rogue Legacy is another one of their games. So, and they they've won awards for doing that, and it's because you know <laughs> compared to what people typically get over there, it's it's uh, on a whole other tier. So it really yeah, shows, it's not easy. Yeah, that it's worth doing that. But that's a good point about Witcher Three. I think you can actually get that. You can download that if you want it, like the the Japanese version of that. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I should really just check that out when I have time. I'm very curious now. You should watch that. I I, I made it a, a point to because I follow. Uh, I, I get updates about the YouTube accounts for like Bandai Namco and Square Enix Japan's accounts on YouTube. And I like to watch like the Life is Strange Japanese version, which is really really good as well. <laughs> uh, and then you've also got the Overwatch videos, so you've got like a lot of this uh, different yeah, stuff. Yeah, I like watching Square Enix says Overwatch in Japan, mm-hmm. exactly. And they also do like Call of Duty and stuff like that as well. But um, mm-hmm. they're kind of that's you know obviously they're a big presence there so uh i 
I'm interested to see what else they can pull off. But yeah, man, it's it's great to see Spike Chunsoft embrace the West as they have. So it's, it's, it's a weird time we live in. Wow, um, I feel like there's like so many like dream projects like coming to fruition like left and right. Absolutely, 2017, freaking nuts, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Uh, it's hopefully the onslaught's over because I tend to play mm-hmm. Zelda soon enough. Uh, and so moving on to the rest of the news that we've got here before we get into the biggest news. The onslaught is got. definitely not over with this next piece of so news. So one, no. one title that we've had our eye on for a little bit is uh, an indie title from Zeboid Games Z- called Z- Cosmic Star Heroine. Now, this developer, I've not, I've not actually played any of the other games, but they did like Call of Cthulhu. And good, good games, good or yeah. indie games for people. Like the one of the first like real games to really break out and show all. Yeah, the, they're they're real nice. They're the kind of the the kind of almost like the forefront or the forefathers like indie RPGs of the modern yeah. age. Yeah, the Cosmic Star Heroine is something that they've been working on. What feels like a long like forever now. Like I'm trying years, to remember when. Yeah. I, uh, at least at least four years now, if not more. Yeah, well, they haven't had a, a game time. in like in six years, so that makes yeah. sense. So it, it's. Cosmic Star Heroine, we've made a couple of posts on the site. It's it basically takes inspiration from games like uh, Chrono Star, Trigger, Fantasy. Final Fantasy VI. I know they even have some SMT type things in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're trying to be like more this. This is so. Let me just mention that Zavoid Games is basically like two people, and mm-hmm. then they have a couple of other like extras doing things like music contractors. And mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it's a very very small team. But this is basically by far the project that's gotten the most, I guess, interest from them because of the games that they are claiming inspiration from. And even if you just take a quick look at it, like I know one person mentioned it looks a lot like uh, Chrono Trigger. I think it looks a lot like Final Fantasy VI, kind of a mix of the two, I guess. To me, it looks like fantasy stuff. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) definitely heavy into it, yeah. Or Lu- or Lunar a little bit too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's the point. type. That's the type of like era they're trying to emulate. Sega like CD era, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so that's finally going to get released this year on PlayStation Four and PC on April 11th. Um, there it's going to have both a Steam version and a DRM free version on PC. Uh, it's also coming out to Vita, and it's cross buy with PlayStation Four, but the Vita version is not dated yet. Because uh, of they just need some time to polish it up, but yeah, it's kind of like soon, yeah. if you're looking for like an indie style Japanese style RPG, obviously made by two Western dudes, but it's like this is probably the biggest one in that yeah. category, I guess. Because it's, it's, it's kind of like it's gonna it's not gonna be like totally in that era because you're of course you're gonna modernize yeah. some parts of it they, like for clear convenience and whatnot. They said that they're not like they're not like restricting. Like they're, for example, like their their pixel style. They're not like perfectly emulating the mm-hmm. limits. You of can't. An yeah. <laughs> it's so, stupid to do that. Yeah. So they're they're, they're just kind of emulating the that look. Um, I'm very curious but, to see how that turns out. It looks lovely. Yeah. So it's it's not releasing at the best time, but uh, with all these other huge releases and I I, I think to to, to to just to be you know, I think it's the safest kind of time. Like it, it's more like after all the big things have come out because yeah. they it needs a little bit of breathing room in itself you know it's it's, it's still a hectic time because like before it's, it'll be for persona 5 i mean but it's definitely persona 5 is not going to be on pc so that also helps but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting game as i have no idea you know it could it, it's like it's the type of game like this 
it's hard to know what to expect from it. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's a it's an unknown quantity because they've been showing it at all these different events, and I think at this point, people just want that game to come out. It's like that in Y two K, like two games that really need to just come out already because we want to play them so much. So excited to see what they come up with. So run into the last piece of news for the day. Natalie, why don't you take over on this one? We've got the new Mass Effect <laughs> content, Mass Effect Andromeda. I know you're talking about it. You're excited for that game. but they were, And you actually kind of um, referenced this during your conversation about Horizon and that we got more details about the, uh, the exploration aspect of it. Yeah, certainly. Um, this week we had uh, the exploration gameplay video come out and also the first 13 minutes um were uploaded by ign which i totally cried just seeing like the scrolling text like i imagine that's what star wars fans feel like when they see (laughs) that floating text i watched it with a friend and i totally cried because yeah mass effect is everything to me so uh, I'm so excited. It hasn't no even idea. started. It hasn't even released. She already cried. I know. Uh, I'm uh, such a baby. We've, we've cried at E3 before. Don't, don't say like Spotify <laughs> 7 Remake. I'm sure people cried. So. No, I was such I a think baby. It's everywhere. I think like, Aaron cried at the it. Kingdom Hearts 3 one. Oh God! <laughs> that was like right after the versus thirteen thing, yeah. Yes, but yeah. yeah, so we've we've got more details about the the Mass Effect, and which still feels like a drip feed in, in the grand scheme of things. And that game's out in like a couple of weeks. So, uh, what did we learn from that the new footage, though? Um, well, we learned uh, different. Uh locations that we're going to see. I know that the exploration video kind of focused on um, a world kind of inhabited by Krogans. And it just kind of showed different beautiful locations. And the first 13 minutes were, you know, the first 13 minutes. uh, But they did skip over some vital story elements. I guess they didn't want to spoil all of the beginning of Mass Effect and drama, which I like. Um, I just kind of really liked seeing the opening. It, it looks beautiful. Uh, I, the facial animations are not as bad as I thought they would be. They're actually not too bad. Uh, yeah, the voices are really great. The voice work. I mean, you have Natalie Dormer, uh, the guy voicing um, Bro Rider or Male Rider, whatever you want to call him. Bro uh, Rider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's really good, and um, I'm just I'm so excited. Uh, I definitely feel like the marketing has been very low key. I think yeah. maybe since Dragon Age Inquisition showed to some people, it showed a bit too much. There were a lot of demos that showed content that wasn't in the game in the end. I kind of prefer uh, this low-key marketing. Uh, yeah, so I think they kind of went, they kind of looked at that and they were like, okay, maybe it's better that we show too little, but at least we're not showing too much. I like I mean, the short marketing cycle. Relatively. They're, they're, they are showing a bit, but it's definitely like right up to release. Like they have their gameplay yeah. series and this video that we're referring to was like number three. Mm-hmm. Like the earlier videos showed things like the squad mates and other like the RPG elements. Um, I know based on Alex's like interview or not interview, but just hands on preview with mass effect that he posted on the site. And you can kind of see this in the video they released as well. It seems like for the exploration aspects, they're trying to kind of like get the same idea as mass effect one in terms of just, you're on a big planet, you go to explore it. There's going to be people there. They'll have different, you know, stories on each planet and things you can do. But Mass Effect 1 was a little bit... Um, it's my favorite so many Mass Effect. To explore and they kind of all <laughs> yes. blended together. 
And yeah, they you know, definitely want to combine the best aspects of each Mass Effect, and I definitely think Mass Effect One really excelled in. It had the special vibe to it. Like it's not my favorite Mass Effect. It's actually my least favorite one. But every oh, time that I play it, I on. feel like <laughs> I, you're another one of those, I, aren't you? <laughs> oh man, my favorite is actually three. I'm I'm so oh, sorry. Oh wow. Okay, that's okay. I was I thought I thought you were gonna go like with the typical like two is the best and all right, all right. Always, which aspect one, of the single three, player two, or the so. multiplayer? Let our contenders have thought. I invested like 258 hours in the multiplayer, so oh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited for the multiplayer for Andromeda. <laughs> so yeah, but we can obviously see why it was three then. I feel like three really um, just kind of took advantage of these emotional bonds that you created with all of these characters, with mm. your crew that eventually became more than your crew. They became your friends and, you know, people that you can rely on, or at least to me, who got super attached to a bunch of characters. I felt that way. So I feel like Mass Effect 3 really sort of uh, capitalized on those emotional bonds and really took them as far as, as it could, made the most out of them. So I really loved it for that reason. Two, I think, was, I guess, the best in terms of story and the balance between the story and the gameplay, and it had a really great crew, but I think three really touched me emotionally on a level that no other game has before, so I I do love three. Yeah, definitely. One has a really great vibe, so I'm excited to feel that vibe again from Andromeda, from what I've been seeing. I do think, like... When like you have to remember, like Mass Effect One, when did that come out? Has it been a decade yet? It's been almost. I think it's like 2007 or something like that. Okay, so it's been a while. Um, but I know at the time, like being able to just like take your Mako and explore this, you know. I love my Mako. Yeah. (laughs) It was just like at the time, it felt so fresh and huge and new. But this is kind of like, okay, obviously, you know, technology difference in 10 years or whatever, like. From what I from what I saw in Alex's preview, there's going to be far less planets to explore, which is a great yeah. thing because there's just too many of those samey planets in the original. Um, yeah. But like, uh, just hopefully being more, more more meaningful, more fleshed. Each planet will be more fleshed out, more meaningful, yeah. and more that you can explore and do on each planet. And they they showed off the what's the replacement for the Mako, the Nova or something. The Nomad. Nomad, yeah. um, and uh, how it can be upgraded and things like that. They've built this whole like subsystem of progression that you can build. We can upgrade and change the the, the Nomad in various ways. Um, so it kind of like like it, my already... perspective of it is that they're taking the, this ex, this planet exploration of the first game and kind of really trying to nail that down without you know while trying to mitigate some of the issues that that first game had with saving lifeless planets. You already know my big hope in this game, right? It's the same thing like with FF15. You have a car in it. I should be able to, like, run over enemies with that thing. (laughs) Straight up, like, .hgu style with a motorcycle. Yeah. This is is actually Uh, just the RPG nerd me talking, but I know in your first game, you got more experience if you did not kill the character 
kill things with the Mako. So I remember when yeah. I was playing it, being I, I know, there, like, but I still did it. You, you yeah, I would still do it. You, then you get the, you get, you have to get out of the tank to fight the enemies. You get more experience that way. Nah, yeah. I, I could do without uh, the experience. I, I'm still I'm still hoping that like one day an RPG will get it and like just have a separate experience bar for like your ride, and then the more things you kill with that ride, the more it levels up. So you have like a ride build. And so eventually, you want to take the, the the vehicle to the final boss and not just let it have it fight. I mean, like boss. it's fine. It's final upgrade. <laughs> Like you strap it on your back or something. Yeah, I think that I think for me it's it was um, the appeal of Mass Effect One was just how RPG heavy it was, and so that's what I'm hoping with Andromeda because we still don't know too much about it. Clearly, you know, with the uh, emphasis on being able to switch around your. your class as opposed to before where it was kind of more emphasized about you know sticking to one kind of path uh this will be an interesting kind of take on it and the combat looks cool too i, I hope there's like meaningful like jetpack upgrades because i really do want to like uh, have like a fast <laughs> combat system where i can like boost dash everywhere that jetpack like cover to cover yeah gameplay is gonna be it looks so good i i fast. do think that uh after playing Mass Effect 3, if you go back to Mass Effect 1, the combat doesn't feel as good. So it's kind of taking the the best part of Mass Effect 1, which is the exploration, and then it has this super dynamic and complex uh, combat system. So I think it'll be really good. So who do you think you're going to go for, like, in terms of characters? Who are you going to go for? Like, I mean, what's, like, your party? Oh, yes. Well, I'm sure you, you, at least one of you has seen me tweet about Vatra, the Turian. Yeah, I, I, Garrus, I've played the trilogy around three times, and each time it's, it's just been Garrus. I, I don't even romance anyone in the first game. It's just Garrus. So I'm super excited for another Turian. Uh, and then I'm excited for just all the characters in general. I, I think I'm particularly excited for Jal, which is the new, um, Ungarin, Ungarin, uh, race member. Yeah. The pink squid looking dude oh yeah, yeah okay yeah he looks cool i hear that he's pretty cool um and everyone just looks very interesting i think the krogan will be fun too yeah and i can definitely see where you're coming with uh mass effect 3 and that way it capped off i had, I had some really good experiences in 3 especially with the side quests so hopefully they'll be able to as you said with the witcher 3 create these meaningful side quests with the characters because it's not just the main cast that's interesting it's these stories that you find along the way that can really flesh out the world especially if the you can't do a lot of exploring on the worlds themselves i i, I do we'll think getting that. rid of the paragon renegade stuff yeah. that, that also sounds Smart. appealing to me yes. so good it, it always kind of felt like a holdover from knights of the old republic you know where i think it makes more sense there but yeah after a while in the trilogy i just got lazy and i just kind of went to whatever paragon was sometimes i wouldn't even read what it said i just knew that that was what i was going to choose in yeah. the end yeah i like the nuance that yeah. we're going to have this time and and that's that's the cool thing is that it's not like this the typical dialogue tree. It's that okay, you got to choose either the top right or the or the bottom right, depending on which one you want to choose. This allow you to you know really develop those conversations and not and not focus too much on a very specific like as you said or hit the right trigger versus the left trigger that kind of thing. Yeah. And this it's it's way more about uh, you know trying to understand each person that you meet and their personality and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, I'm sure you can still be like this 
dick. good like angelic <laughs> you can be like this angelic hero dude or like this beat his asshole jerk i'm sure you can still do that but... still beat up reporters if you wanted to yeah. i still i still think the funniest thing uh, a game did like kind of around that system was if you remember in way of the samurai during cutscenes there was a button where you can like uh, unsheath your katana oh yeah you can just in the middle like, of combat <laughs> yep it's just any time like during a cutscene you can unsheath it you'll get like hilarious results from people like people are like what the fuck are you doing dude why are you unsheathing your katana i always in the first game i always killed the blacksmith on accident because i did that I was like, <laughs> oh, no. i just like and you like you lose him it's like dark souls you lose him for the rest of the game so you can't really do anything like, yeah i lost my big source of income and all my weapons this sucks yeah i, I kind of wish more games that did that like allowed you oh, to like yeah Oh yeah, manipulate cutscenes in a weird, well, hilarious like, fashion like that. Are you saying you'd want Ryder to be able to pull his gun in the middle yes, of like a, a place? <laughs> I would definitely would just want, start shooting want that, the place 100%. up. Hundred <laughs> percent. If, if things were going south in the cutscene, I'd want to pull out my gun. My name like, is no, Burn Ryder. This is your the worst place on the. Office. You're gonna give me what I want, or you're gonna die. <laughs> Oh man! Like I'm sure that's... you can. I'm sure you can do that. I'm sure you can play that way. So have fun with that. Just killing everybody. Yeah. Just have... <laughs> I will. Oh man! Like Skyrim, <laughs> you know, just wipe out entire towns. <laughs> just leave no one. Else. <laughs> oh god. That's uh, so that's yeah, Andromeda. That's one sad releasing end of two weeks. March twenty first. March twenty first. March twenty first. I'm already wow. clearing my my schoolwork. I'm gonna, you know, take a day off work, maybe two. I, I'm planning in advance. <laughs> oh I, I got this. Two weeks, two uh, whole weeks to play this game. That's, I guess there's like, yeah. I mean, other than that, after that, there's not a whole lot until like Persona Five, and and then after that, it's just you know, then you got Cosmic Star, but nothing till the end of April. We're, we're getting, we're finally getting to the point where we can really, you know, invest our time in these well, I th- games. I think, like, video game releases just need to slow down and let me catch up. Jeez. Yeah. 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 For, me, been... for me, it's like Tokiden 2 is my next big release after after what I'm already playing. Yeah, but that's... That's coming out soon, too. 21st. <laughs> Same as oh, Mass Effect. <laughs> they really planned that out. Yeah, that's so, like, if everyone, if anyone ever wanted to know, like, what if, like, really good games just came out one after another nonstop, uh, definitely this... Yeah, the, this year is definitely the poster child for that the I, first part of this year. I just don't understand Koei Tecmo sometimes. Atlia Ferris is the same day as Nier Automata, and then you've got Tokiden 2, same day as Mass Effect. They're, they are setting very these bold, games out to die because they're trying to get it before the fiscal year, I imagine. But mm. Well, that's it for news. Um, still, uh, and we're expected to get even more heavy the next week. Uh, next week, we'll probably talk even more about Zelda and things like that. Obviously, we'll have some reviews up on the site. But we'll start to wrap things up here. So, as always, you can check up on our site, rpgsite.net. You can find a lot of guides for Zelda that we've got up right now. We'll have stuff for Nier Automata in short order this upcoming week. So, be on the lookout for that. We already got some stuff primed. Um, and then you can also check us out on Twitter at rpgsite. Oh, no, Zach, disconnect. Am I disconnected? Right at the end. Oh, oh no. no. Am I disconnected? I can hear myself. He was almost there. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where he left out. He's just having some internet. Oh, wait. Is you, are you, you back? Are I think I, okay. I think I just cut off for a moment there. I, I don't okay. know what happened. Maybe I, I think I might have hit the button on accident. Okay. Right, well, we so. couldn't hear you for after you're talking about Zelda guides. And I, I know. Oh, okay, yeah, so Zelda Guides, sorry about that, guys. Uh, so Zelda Guides, we've also got Nier Automata stuff that is primed and ready to go uh, sometime this upcoming week. Still be on the lookout for that. You can also follow us on Twitter, at RPG Site. So find us on Facebook, which actually, by the way, to mention on Twitter, we just passed 46,000 followers, so thank you all for uh, for following us. Pretty yeah, damn awesome. Yeah. 
Hello, yeah. I'm still surprised we have that many followers. It's yeah, like it's so more than sites that are bigger than us. So. It's ridiculous. I could tweet something and gets it always gets like a huge response. It's it's scary. It's so scary, and I feel Your so fan nervous. Is pretty big. <laughs> I, I tweet such dumb things sometimes. Um, and then uh, which actually it's most of the time it's anime, which Adam loves. Um, and then we've got Facebook.com/slash/RPGSiteNet. You can also check us out on YouTube.com slash RPG site net, which we've got some Zelda videos up, and then always the continued adventures of Bakira Chronicles 3 and Panzer Dragoon Saga. This up, most recent video, Panzer Dragoon Saga, blew my freaking mind because some they did a callback, and that made me go nuts. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I, Are these I, actually commentated videos? Yes. Okay. The man Panzer Dragoon Saga just like threw me through a like threw a curveball, and it just blew my freaking mind. Um, also, you can subscribe to us on Tetra, uh, just on iTunes. Excuse me, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for TetraCast, and I recommend people listening to this. Please leave us reviews um, because what that does is not only is it just leave us some good feedback about what we do. <laughs> oh man! Okay, Josh. <laughs> I'm not going to do this, Josh. Can I, you hear me? Okay. All right, Adam. You're going to leave out what's the purpose of reviews on the, on iTunes. Okay. Tell me. <laughs> Feedback is nice. If we know like what types of things people like us to talk about, or things that we may maybe bad habits that we're in that we don't know of, or you know what things you do like us talking about, or how we discuss things, or whatever. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll go with that. I, <laughs> it's also good um, for promotion's sake. Okay, there we go. Zach's back because you... uh, uh, Apple will uh, promote a podcast that actually have reviews, so that's okay. important for us as well. Okay, you get cut out for a bit there, Zach, so we were kind of... Oh, man, I don't know what's going on. Okay, let's wrap things we up. almost made it. Wrap it no, up, it almost there. Mention me on Twitter, and well, let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right, so um, on Discord, discord.me slash RPG site. Uh, come out there, hang out with us, and our Twitter handles, starting with you, Natalie. Um, mine is hard to miss you. Do you want to spell oh. that? Oh, okay. 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 Let, me, let me try that again. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. Mine is Hartemisia. Uh, yeah. It's spelled H-E-A-R-T-I-M-E-C-I-A. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Adam? All right. K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. And I don't know if Zach is still connected or not. He's just Zach Reese. Okay. I just <laughs> Zach Reese. Just switch me. Okay. There you he go. He doesn't need a pseudo name. <laughs> and then you can follow me uh, over at HDKirin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N, for anything and everything. And that wraps up this episode of the TetraCast. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Or actually, not watching. For listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for watching this thank audio you. podcast. Bye. Thank you, Natalie, for joining to talk about Horizon and yeah, Thank yes. you very much. Thank, thank you, you for having me on here. <laughs> yes, thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Adam. Catch us all next week for another edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone.